Our reading today comes from the book of Exodus. The whole congregation of the Israelites complained against Moses and Aaron in the wilderness. The Israelites said to them, If only we had died by the hand of the Lord in the land of Egypt, when we sat by the flesh pots and ate our fill of bread, for you have brought us out into the wilderness to kill this whole assembly with hunger. Then the Lord said to Moses, I am going to rain bread from heaven for you, and each day the people shall go out and gather enough for that day. In that way, I will test them, whether they follow my instructions or not. Then Moses said to Aaron, Say to the whole congregation of Israelites, Draw near to the Lord, for he has heard your complaining. And as Aaron spoke to the whole congregation of the Israelites, they looked towards the wilderness, and the glory of the Lord appeared in the cloud. The Lord spoke to Moses and said, I have heard the complaining of the Israelites, and say to them, At twilight you shall eat meat, and in the morning you shall have your fill of bread. Then you shall know that I am the Lord your God. In the evening quails came up and covered the camp, and in the morning there was a layer of dew around the camp. When the layer of dew was lifted, there on the surface of the wilderness was a fine flaky substance, as fine as frost on the ground. When the Israelites saw it, they said to one another, What is it? For they did not know what it was. And Moses said to them, It is the bread that the Lord has given you to eat. Word of God, word of life. Thanks be to God.
Let us pray. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of all our hearts help us to live and love like you, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. As summer break is drawing to a close, I feel like every single time I get on social media, I see somebody going somewhere different. Everybody is on the road, the beach, the mountains, some fun big city, or out in the middle of nowhere, Carowinds or Disney World. People are on the go. I know that we've been cooped up for a while now, so I'm assuming that the number of traveling throughout the country is just through the roof as well. I mean, we've seen enough inside our house, more than we ever wanted to. I recently saw a video that showed a married couple and their three kids in the car, and they were looking so incredibly happy, and the caption read this, super happy because we're heading to the beach, trying to forget that our marriage almost didn't make it through packing up the car. (laughs) Do you ever have that experience? Or maybe you can think of one of these famous on-the-road lines. Are we there yet? I'm hungry. I'm thirsty. He's bothering me. Why did I have to come on this stupid trip? Why couldn't you just leave me at home with my friends? When are we going to get there? Does some version of that sound somewhat familiar to you? I think every family goes through that, or at least I would like to believe that every family does. But who knows, maybe there are those families that can do long-distance car rides calmly. Maybe there are those families that actually speak kind to one another on road trips without the help of DVD players in the car or a huge data plan that allows that little mumbling, are we there yet, to fade away in the background while faces are stuck to phones, tablets, or TVs. But probably more times than not, I'm going to guess that you're probably like me and you know your fair fair share of don't make me pull this car over land. So I don't think that it came as much of a surprise or caught you off guard when you heard Carter reading from Exodus today. Well, maybe your expectations of the Bible is that they're perfect stories about perfect people, but the Israelites don't seem to be in a perfect story with perfect people. They don't sound like the people that you would think of as God's chosen people, but they are. This, my friends, is the family vacation that nobody wanted to go on, and it's much more serious than our family vacations that we've experienced, because the story starts with the Israelites' recent delivery from slavery in Egypt. But that same background noise on their journey is still there. It sounds familiar to us. When are we going to get there? I'm hot, I'm tired, I'm hungry, I'm thirsty. Why did we even have to come on this stupid trip? Why didn't you just leave us back in Egypt? In other words, the Israelites are whining. And we all know how it sounds. The Israelites have been out of Egypt for what scholars think is probably around two months. They've been delivered from this bad situation, an unjust situation, a miserable situation. They were slaves in Egypt without dignity, treated as property. So they cried out to God, and God heard them. He delivered them from the Egyptians, brought them in safety to freedom— And now they're in the middle 
of the wilderness. But they're no longer slaves to Pharaoh and the Egyptians, and they're not quite there. They're not quite at that promised land just yet. They're fairly new to this freedom thing, and they're finding it a bit challenging. The people are hangry, and they turn on Moses and Aaron, who are probably just as hot and tired and hungry too. The people whine, but more than just that annoying sound of whining, it's almost ridiculous, right? Moses, did you bring us out here to starve us to death? If only we were back in Egypt, sure, we were slaves there, no better than a piece of property to the Egyptians, but at least they fed us. You don't love us. When did you even think about feeding us? Why are we on this trip? Change is challenging. It's hard. It tests you. But the situation that the Israelites are in the midst of in this story is a rebirth for them as a people. Instead of just being told what to do all the time, they have to learn some new skills for this new life. And now, I don't think that we came this morning thinking that that new skill that they were supposed to learn is how to be the best at complaining that you can possibly be. It throws us off, off for a little bit. They have to learn instead the new skill of how to trust. They have to learn to trust the God that heard their cries in Egypt, that delivered them from Egypt, that have brought them to a place, and God has asked them, trust me. They have to open their eyes and their hearts to learn a new way of being in the world. They have to learn to live into this new life that has graciously just been laid before them. Now, in their old situation, slavery, they had the right to be unhappy. God doesn't want us to be content with injustice, with inhumane treatment of anyone. But here in the wilderness— they're free. They were given a new life. They were saved by God's hand. And they're still so far away from realizing what true joy is all about. It's almost like in their rebirth, their freedom, their new life, they continue to dwell in the wilderness under this tent of unhappiness, of scarcity, of fear, like the bondage that God just broke them out of two months earlier. But that's the thing about tents in the wilderness, right? They're portable. So you can change your setting, you can change your campsite, you can change your whole surrounding and situation, but you're still hauling that old tent still. You can still be crawling in to the same old tent at night, waking up every single day to the same fears and scarcity, frustration, and wondering why things always look so dreaded and miserable. Like I said earlier, change is hard. New is hard. Rebirth is hard. Trust is hard. Living in to God's abundance is hard. 
it's much easier to fall back into the same patterns and the same routines, the same thoughts and the same feelings, even if that's no longer the reality that we're living in. We do it without thinking. I remember talking to my grandpa, my dad's dad, for a project in high school. He went to work in the mines in the upper peninsula of Michigan at the age of 12 because his dad had died in those same mines and, it was, and, it, and he was the oldest, nearing the end of the Great Depression, he had to work to provide for his family. He talked with me about the need to work and earn money, the lack of food, the rations that they had at that time, being the provider for his family at such a young age. And the thing is, is that tent that he lived under never really went away throughout his life. You saw those traits up until the day that he died, those tents standing throughout his life. So it makes me think of the things in my life and realize that really, if we are honest to admit it, we are all not so different from the Israelites, right? Have you ever had a hard time adjusting to something new? Have you ever stayed in a bad situation because it's easier to stay with what they say, the devil that you know? Have you ever settled for less than you could be doing because, well, it's not that great, but it's tough to make a change. And truth be told, complaining is a whole lot easier than actually doing the hard work of change. The Israelites had just been brought through a huge change, and it was time to learn a new skill. Were they going to do it? Were they going to learn to trust in God? Were they going to move from scarcity to abundance? I think that that's the question and the lesson for us today as well, because God is always doing something new, and we have a hard time moving to the new thing that God is doing. We have a living and an active God that works throughout this world. And we too have to trust in God. Because God did just that. God is worthy of every single piece of trust we have. God always provides the Bible and the stories it shares are stories of God who provides, a God who gives time and time and time and time and time and time again, whether we deserve it or not. So God, in the midst of their complaining, after God had just done a brilliant, heroic act, God provides yet again for the Israelites. God gave the Israelites the gift of manna, this fine flaky substance that appeared on the ground every morning, and meat. God gave quail. Now the food is amazing, not only because it appears overnight while they are asleep in the wilderness, solely out of the abundance of God, but it's theirs with no work, no slave labor, just grace. God says, here it is. 
And it's also amazing because it has this special built-in property to make sure that everybody gets enough, just enough. They collect it each and every day. There's exactly enough to go around, no more, no less. But if they do try to hoard it, if they try to fall into the patterns of scarcity for the next day, it rots. And so like all new things, it takes some practice. Some people, some Israelites tried to hoard, and the next day all they had to show for it was a bunch of moldy, smelly manna. Trust, says God. Trust me. Follow my instructions. Because when I make a promise, I follow through. Trust, listen to me, and obey, and you can dwell in abundance. Now, today in our gospel reading um, from the gospel of John, Jesus is talking to the people about this exact situation And this is what Jesus says. Very truly, I tell you, it was not Moses who gave you bread from heaven, but it is my Father who gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is that which comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. Sir, give us this bread always. And Jesus says, I and the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never be hungry. Whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. There God did it again, moving us from scarcity to abundance. God took the bread of abundance one step further because Jesus was not just somebody who gave physical bread, although feeding hungry people is one of the commands Jesus gives us and one of the things that Jesus does in his ministry so well. He wasn't just okay with just making sure that people had full bellies. Jesus wanted to meet their physical needs, their spiritual needs, their emotional needs. Jesus came to be for us bread, the source of all abundance, the source of joy, the source of contentment in any situation, in plenty and in want, in easy times and in struggles and challenges. Jesus says, don't find me in the physical stuff. Don't try to find me with the things of the world that are here today and gone tomorrow. Open your eyes and look for God's kingdom. Open your eyes and look for the food that will last, that endures for the long haul. Jesus offers himself. And Jesus walks with us, and Jesus eats with us, and Jesus gives us bread to eat as well, to remind us of what grace looks like and feels like and tastes like at the table that is always open. Even in the midst of the wilderness, even in the midst of change and rebirth, even when the supplies seem scarce and we don't know exactly where this journey is going to lead us, Jesus will be the stuff of goodness for us. Jesus will guide us. If we can just trust, we can dwell in the tent of abundance. We know what enough is, because we know who is enough for us. So are we there yet? 
I hope so. Amen.